So very good to see you this morning, whether you're online or here in person. As always, I love you, and I appreciate you so very much. We've been doing this series since last week. We started this new series uh, entitled Villains, and we're talking about some of the real-life bad guys in the book of Acts and how there are people today, and there have always been people who oppose the truth and how important it is to be able to acknowledge that, that there really are liars, there really are deceivers, but at the same time, also acknowledge that the truth wins. And can we hold both of those realities in our hands at the same time? That on the one hand, there are liars and deceivers, people who oppose the truth, but on the other hand, Jesus wins. Truth wins. Is it possible for us to be aware, but at the same time not afraid? For us to be aware of the threats that exist, but also have a peace of mind, a confidence, the knowledge that in the end, things are going to work out. Jesus is going to be victorious. Now, that doesn't mean that in the meantime, we won't have to suffer. That doesn't mean that we won't be persecuted. That doesn't mean that Christians won't be imprisoned and even executed. As we go through the book of Acts, we see that those kinds of things have happened because there are villains, because there are bad guys, because there are people who oppose the truth. God's people sometimes suffer, but in the end, Jesus wins. And that knowledge, that hope, that confidence... That awareness, that truth wins out, that Jesus wins out, that Jesus is unstoppable, gives us confidence, gives us peace of mind, gives us assurance, even at the same time that we acknowledge that these threats are real and exist. The person we're going to talk about this morning, the bad guy, the villain, is Elamis Bar-Jesus. And Luke describes Elamis Bar-Jesus as a, a magician and a false prophet. Here's, here's who I think of when I think of Elamis Bar-Jesus. I think about Jafar. If you've seen uh, the Aladdin movie, and you know that Jafar was the bad guy, and he was an advisor to the sultan, and he was keeping the sultan sort of under a spell. He was deceiving him. He was manipulating him. He was whispering falsehood into his ear. And that's exactly the kind of person that Elamis Bar-Jesus was. He was a false prophet. But even as I say those words, and even as I prepare to, to share with you and think with you about false prophets and false teachers, I, I feel it necessary to kind of give us a warning here. Because Christians have, for the last 2,000 years, been a little too quick sometimes to accuse everybody with whom they disagree, everybody that they, they don't agree with their thoughts, accuse them of being false teachers and false prophets. We've been too quick to accuse some people of being false teachers and false prophets. But even while that's true, there really are false teachers. And we need to be able to discern. We need to be able to see when someone is teaching things that 
are keeping people from seeing and knowing Jesus. Most importantly, we need to be able to see when we've been deceived, when we've been influenced by false teachers. And we need to be able to help others, the people in our lives, the people in our communities, the people in our world who have been influenced by false teachers. So that's why today's lesson is so incredibly important. We're going to be in Acts chapter 13, but just kind of to set this up, uh, the, the church in Antioch that we've talked a lot about, the church in Antioch has sent Paul and Barnabas and John Mark on the first missionary journey. And they're going out into the whole world to proclaim the good news about Jesus. And they've traveled to the island of Cyprus. And they travel to the Roman capital of Cyprus, Paphos. And they they travel there because the governor has sent for them. Because the governor, Sergius Paulus, wants to hear the good news about Jesus. It's exciting, isn't it? The governor, the Roman governor in Cyprus, wants to hear the good news about Jesus. But unfortunately, the governor has this false teacher, this false prophet, this magician, Elamis Bar-Jesus, whispering in his ear. So here's what we read in Acts chapter 13 and verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. What? What an amazing opportunity for them to be able to share the gospel with, with the governor, for them to be able to share the gospel. And if, if, they can be, if they can share with him, imagine the other doors of opportunity that might open up. But, but again, you have this man that, that Luke first calls Bar-Jesus. And Bar means son of, right? Son of Jesus. Jesus or Joshua, Yeshua, And so this man's father was named Jesus or Joshua or Yeshua. And that name was pretty common at the time, but that name means Yahweh, God, saves. God saves, which is ironic, isn't it? Because because this man is preventing Sergius Paulus from God saving him. Here's a man whose name means son of the Savior, Son of God saves, but he's preventing God from saving someone. Look at verse 8. But Elamus the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, Elamus had a, had a cushy job, didn't he? Elamus had a, a cushy job where he's an advisor to this governor and he's telling him all kinds of superstitions and maybe he's pretending to be able to predict the future, but he's using religion and spirituality and maybe even scripture to lead this man astray. And there's no telling how long he had been doing this. So when Paul and Barnabas show up and they're beginning to preach the truth, of course he doesn't want Sergius Paulus to hear the truth because that's going to jeopardize his own position of power and ability to manipulate and to spread his lies. So he is doing his best to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Verse 9, but Saul who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, 
You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Paul says to him, you're not Bar-Jesus. You're not the son of Yahweh saves. You're the son of who? The devil. You're the son of the devil. You are a deceiver and a manipulator. You are a villain. You are opposed to what is right and what is good. You are standing in the way of someone hearing and knowing and believing the truth. You're taking the straight paths of the Lord and you're making them crooked. You are keeping people from seeing. You are keeping people from hearing. You are telling lies. Now, Elamus Bar-Jesus was not somebody who just made a mistake. He's not somebody who's just, just misinformed. He is intentionally deceiving and intentionally manipulating and intentionally taking religion and spirituality and scripture and twisting it to his own ends. Now, we have to, we have to understand that there continue to be people like this today, don't there? There are people who continue to take religion and spirituality and scripture and twist them to their own ends and who prevent people Prevent people from seeing Jesus. Prevent people from hearing the good news. Prevent people from believing the good news who take the the straight paths of the Lord and make them crooked. People who are not just misinformed or who have made a mistake, but people who are deceivers and liars. And there is a time, there is a time where this kind of villainy This kind of deceit needs to be called what it is. Verse 11. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. It's kind of poetic justice, isn't it? Because here was a person who was keeping others in the darkness. He was preventing others, particularly Sergius Paulus, keeping the the proconsul, the governor, from seeing. He was keeping him blinded. He was keeping him in mist and darkness. He was keeping him from seeing the truth. He was keeping him from believing in Jesus. And now he is unable to see. And he had been leading Sergius Paulus by the hand, but he had been leading him in the wrong directions. He had been leading him astray. And now he has to rely on other people to lead him by the hand, trusting that they're going to lead him in the right direction. The tables have been turned by Jesus. Again, truth wins. Jesus wins. And it's, it's interesting that Paul is the one to deliver this message to Elamus Bar-Jesus, and to tell him, you're going to be blind for a while. Who else has been in the same spot? Paul. Paul's been in the same spot, because there was a while where Paul was a villain. There was a while where Paul was an enemy of the truth. There was a while where Paul stood opposed to truth, and Jesus blinded him for a while. And his blinding experience 
gave him eyes to see and ears to hear. I, I hope that that's what happened with Elamus. I hope that he came around and eventually had eyes to see and ears to hear. But Luke tells us in verse 12, then the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, believed when he, I love this, he believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Luke has already told us, Sergius Paulus was, a, was an intelligent man. And when he was finally able to see the truth, he knew the truth when he saw it. And he knew this is true. Jesus really is the Son of God. This Paul and this Barnabas, they're preaching truth. There's a good question for us, isn't there? Do you know the truth when you see it? Do you know when you're being led astray? And do you know when you hear the truth? There are people, there are voices that are trying to keep others from believing in Jesus, from seeing Jesus, from following Jesus. There are people who are deceiving and sharing things that are not in keeping with the good news about Jesus. And throughout the New Testament, I wish we had time to really spend exploring all of these, but throughout the New Testament, the apostles give us ways to recognize false teaching. So here are some ways to recognize false teachers and false teaching. Number one, fundamental truth about Jesus is being denied. Fundamental truth about Jesus is being denied. That's why it's so important if you want to be people, if I want to be a person who can see the truth when I hear it, who can recognize that's true, and then recognize when something is not true, then I have to know fundamental truth about Jesus. Because if I don't know fundamental truth about Jesus, then I won't know when someone is denying fundamental truth about Jesus. John says, 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. Who, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So when people are denying the deity of Jesus, or denying the humanity of Jesus, or denying the kingship of Jesus, or denying the second coming and the resurrection of the dead, these things are not in keeping with the truth. This is false teaching, and we have to be able to recognize that. Secondly, the gospel is being distorted by requiring more than God requires. This is what was happening in, in the churches of Galatia that Paul wrote so adamantly about. And he said, if anybody preaches a different gospel than the one I preach to you, even if an angel from heaven preaches to you a different gospel, then let him be what? accursed. Let him be accursed. If anybody tells you, yes, you need Jesus, but you also need circumcision, let him be accursed. If anybody says, you need this and Jesus, let him be accursed. You need Jesus, and you need your faith in Jesus. Jesus is the good news, not Jesus plus this other thing. So anyone who requires any more of people than God requires is preaching a false gospel. And we have to be able to recognize when that's happening. Third, ungodly character 
is being revealed. Over and over again, when the apostles were teaching people how to recognize false teachers and false teaching, so much of it comes down to character. Do they have character that reflects the spirit, or do they have character that reflects the flesh? Are they walking by the flesh, and if they are, then the works of the flesh will be evident? Or are they walking by the spirit? Because if they're walking by the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit will be seen in them love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But the works of the flesh are also evident. We need to be able to see these things and spot these things. And when people's character is being revealed, then we have to recognize that false teaching is likely present as well. Number four, people are being exploited for personal gain. That's what we see with Elamis, isn't it? And that's what we see over and over and over and over again. And we've seen this for 2,000 years where people have taken religion and spirituality and scripture and they've twisted it to their own ends. They've used it to manipulate people. They've used it in order to accumulate wealth and power, and fame, and be popular, and be well-liked, and have lots of money. This is a sign. This is a sign that they are teaching a false gospel. Finally, number five, God's grace is being perverted into permission to do what Scripture says is immoral. Again, for 2,000 years, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new to these things where we take scripture or spirituality or religion and twist God's grace as a license to do whatever it is that we want to. And we tell ourselves or we tell other people, God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to fulfill your desires. Do whatever pleases you because God is forgiving and will forgive whatever anyway. That is not in keeping with the gospel. Here's what Peter says. 2 Peter chapter 2, he says, For speaking loud boasts of folly, these kind of teachers entice by sensual passions of the flesh. Those who are barely escaping from those who live in error, they, listen, they promise them freedom. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are enslaved to corruption. Church, it's all over the place, isn't it? These these types of lies, this type of deceit. But again, I feel it necessary to say we have to be very careful that we don't treat the deceived as if they themselves are the deceiver. Because so many people are simply deceived. They've been tricked. Their eyes have been blinded. Paul spoke very differently to Sergius Paulus than he did to Elamis Bargesus. Because Sergius was the deceived, not the deceiver. And there are so many people in our community, there are so many people around us who are being deceived by lies. But instead of us helping them in love to see the truth, they find us to be angry and afraid of them. 
And we've got to stop that. Love. Love is what motivated Paul to do what Paul did. Love was what motivated Paul to speak the truth to Elamis Bar-Jesus. Because he knew that Elamis was keeping Sergius from seeing the truth. And when you love Jesus and you love people, you want to take away any barriers from between them, don't you? Loving Jesus and loving people means exposing lies that prevent people from seeing Jesus, right? Loving Jesus and loving people means sometimes we expose lies that prevent people from seeing Jesus. That's what has to motivate us. That's what has to motivate us. Because we love Jesus so much, we want people to see him. We, we love Jesus so much, we want people to hear him. We love Jesus so much, we don't want anybody to misrepresent him. And we love people so much, we don't want them to be prevented from seeing Jesus. We don't want them prevented from hearing Jesus. We don't want them to be prevented from knowing Jesus and being in covenant relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes that means we have to boldly say, that thing, that thing that you believe, That thing that you've heard, it's actually a lie that's preventing you from seeing Jesus for who he is and hearing the message that Jesus has. I know, I know these teachers are promising you freedom and I know they're talking about God's grace, but they're actually perverting grace into a license to sin. And even though they promise freedom, they themselves are enslaved to corruption. And I know it's hard to say that sometimes. And I know some people have overly said that. But this isn't, this isn't motivated by anger or by fear. It's motivated by love. Because we love Jesus so much, we want people to see him and to know him and to be forgiven by him. We want people to follow him, to trust in him. And we love people so much. We want them to have what we've gotten to have. We want them to experience what we've gotten to experience. But we have to be aware for our own sake and the sake of our families and the sake of our neighbors. We have to be aware of lies. And we have to have the willingness to speak truth and to expose lies. But then also have the peace of mind and the confidence that comes by knowing that truth wins. Jesus wins. Jesus is unstoppable. And maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to experience true freedom because you've seen Jesus for who he is and you want to follow him and be forgiven by him and begin a life of covenant relationship with God by being baptized into Jesus. You're ready to do that or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement. We're here to help you any way we can. Our shepherds, We'd love to meet with you in the prayer room after service or you can come forward now as together we stand and sing this song.